announcement. The hemp revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. You can hear the stories of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating the business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game forever. Introducing your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, everybody? This is another Rockstar episode of The Hemp Revolution. I'm your host, and you love me. I'm Sonia Gomez, and I'm coming in from Denver, Colorado. On today's episode, we are going to be wrapping with a fellow farmer, Mr. Joe... Jellermino. Jeller... <laughs> Say it again. Jellermino. Jellermino. God, Hooked on Phonics worked for me, who is a fellow farmer, man, and a hemp farm and CBD distributor. Uh, They have joined forces with Fusion CBD and the New York Hemp Alliance in December back in 2018, who are helping them fulfill their mission on delivering top-of-the-line products while using their genetically blended hemp plants grown right there on their farm. Fully vertical company, really super cool, a young buck in the industry at just 27 seven years old, super excited and humbled to be a part of this incredible agricultural revolution. And while staying true to the aspects of the traditional farming that have brought this entire industry to life without further ado, guys, help me bring my friend Joe onto the show. What's up, Joe? How's it going? What's going on, everybody? Hello, Sonia. Thank you for having me on. And more importantly, thank you for doing what you do because there's a lack of information in the hemp and CBD industry right now. And it's incredibly important what you're doing. So thank you so much. Yeah, I'm stoked to be doing it. It's good fun. I get to hear all of the story. I mean, what's a better career than just like talking my face off about cannabis (laughs) and hemp all day? Well, other than growing it. (laughs) it's not a bad get I did that for a while too and that was I like to get my nails done so you know that I left that piece to my husband tell me a little bit I want to dive like straight in we were just having a little conversation about what you guys are doing and how surreal the whole process really is but why don't you give our audience a little bit about yourself who you are what your background is and what you're up to right now over in the New York Okay, so a little background on me. I'm 27 years old. I'm new to the hemp industry. This is our first year growing and selling CBD. It's pretty exciting, but I come from a background of sales. I've been in sales for six years. I started in uh, finance. I was doing life insurance sales and other financial products. Then I moved over to the shipping industry and I was doing logistics sales. I was a shipping broker for a little bit. And then I decided to start my own business doing hemp and there's no turning back from here. I mean, loving it so far. It's awesome. Yeah. So you were talking about your farm being a small operation, just a, a humble 4,300 plants. It's a fucking big deal, dude. <laughs> 27 out there breaking back over the over Miss, Miss Mary Jane's cousins. That is true. And we learned a lot. Like I said, this is our first year. So it's we're constantly learning. Not, not as easy of a plant to grow as we maybe initially thought. There's definitely a lot of... Uh, things that are popping up that we're, we're managing. So you definitely got to be out there every day. My dad likes to say putting a shadow over the field. So being out there and, and making sure that you're maintaining everything properly. 
man, you gotta, you gotta stay neck and neck with those girls. It's, it's very much like, like having a controlling girlfriend. I used to laugh all the time with James because I was like, man, here you are married to me, but you got the craziest bitch outside. (laughs) She's outside. She's taking all of your time, all of your energy, all of your money. And at any moment she could just snap and the whole thing would just fall apart. Talk to me, and and this is a really, I think it's a common misconception. People who are excited about the Green Rush, they want to be a part of the movement. They're, you know, maybe they've had some sort of transformation in their life that is drawing them into the Green Rush. And there's this idea that it's like, oh, it's a weed. It grows everywhere. It has grown everywhere. This is going to be easy. And when, in fact, you come across plethora of challenges that that are not only inevitable, but they're undefined. You just never know what the weather is going to do, what, you know, what your genetics are going to do. Are they going to burn hot? What's the county going to do? It's, it's this constant push pull me. You never know if today is going to be the last day or if you're going to make it all the way to the finish line. Talk to me a little bit. Are you in business with your family? Um, yeah. So my father's actually my business partner. Um, we, yeah, I know it's crazy, right? So he actually had the land up here. I lived down near uh, New York city almost. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I talked to him, I was like, you know, I kind of want to use your land to start a hemp farm. He was actually hunting when this happened. So he was up in a tree stand sitting there doing his research all day, called me back about five hours later. He was like, let's do it. Now we're here. But like you were just talking about, uh, you never know with the weather and everything. There was just a major hailstorm out in Oregon and some people that were growing hemp lost absolutely everything. And you really just never know what, what can happen with the weather. It, it really is. You can just get flooded out at the beginning of the season when your plants aren't really fully rooted in and it can, it can wipe you out. It's pretty tough. It can be tough sometimes. Tell me a little bit about, I, I want to hear about, we're going to get into the good stuff later, but with, with every reward comes a certain amount of risk. And you and your dad dove into this both feet. Good job mm-hmm. for being the millennial with foresight and bringing dad in. Awesome for dad who has the Thank balls you. to back up his son. Like, forget the fact that this is the cannabis and hemp industry. The fact that you have a dad who's willing to back you up, like, that has to be so important and such an incredible thing for you, right? Wouldn't be able to do it without him. He came from the plumbing industry. So he had his own plumbing business for 30 years. And uh, yeah. that actually works really well with this as well when it comes to irrigation and stuff like that. He's a major asset, major asset. Wouldn't be able to do it without him. Yeah, so cool. So I love, I love family-owned businesses. One of my favorite stories to tell. But when you guys were getting started, there's a lot of things that are that you consider as a new business owner. Where are you going to source your genetics? And what infrastructure do you need? How many of this or how much of that do you need to buy? What are the financial resources that you're working with? Talk me through your guys's planning. As if I'm sitting at the board right now, okay. I want to hear like. What, would is, what was it like to troubleshoot and to, and to develop your plan and getting in the ground first year? Okay, so one of the biggest things for anybody that wants to get into hemp growing and stuff like this is finding a company to contract with that is very strong. So we contracted with Fusion CBD, as you can see from my hat. So they've been at it from the start. So they have strong genetics. The main thing is also cash flow. They need to have big cash flow so that they can pay you at the end of the season because it's not a small payment that we're looking to get, hopefully, um, if everything goes properly. Uh, So the company needs to be strong financially and strong genetically. So we have their genetically modified plants that we're growing here that is um, supposed to be high in CBD and low in THC. Um, And then they do have strong cash flow. So they actually moved from New York to Oregon 
to start this when when the whole movement started. So they've been in the game longer than most people have. Their education on the topic and everything is is definitely very high. So they're helping us. They gave us a whole list of everything that we need. And I would definitely recommend to anybody that's looking to get into this to partner with a strong company to do this with. That's a really super interesting perspective. So what you guys did was went out and you looked for a CBD company who was looking to increase their supply chains and they're already fully vertically integrated. So you just took ownership of a specific piece of that supply chain, which is the flower, the raw material, Mm -hmm. the biomass. You guys are becoming an artisan farm. Now this year, first year out, you have two acres 4,500 plants, how many, 4,300 plants, how many pounds are you expecting to pull off of the farm? Pounds, you could look at maybe one to three pounds per plant is pretty standard. Um, So we have plants that are all different sizes at the moment. We grew three different strains and that has something to do with it, but also growing conditions had a lot to do with it. There's like three different types of soil for the most part, clay, sand, and silt. We actually have clay, which is probably the worst for this because it's very tight and the roots don't get a lot of oxygen. Mm -hmm. So we had some issues with one portion of our field due to the clay soil. And you could fix that by either adding manure and topsoil into the mix or doing a less till. So we're going to do all of that next year. So we're going to add manure, aged horse manure into into the soil with some topsoil. We're going to mix it all in and uh, it should really loosen it up, giving the plants the oxygen they need to, to grow and give the roots a chance to spread, which is major. My husband was telling me, my husband was telling me when he was farming that, you know, it really takes three runs to stabilize any one particular strain. And he used to do um, a variety of strains when he was growing. He would grow like, you know, three, five, a handful, you know, a handful of strains. And as he opened up distribution channels, he really weeded out the ones that took more time and attention and created a whole system and standard of operation for the greenhouse or outdoor cultivation Mm -hmm. sites that would stabilize the end result. And not only did it reduce the amount of work that you had to do on the front end by growing, he just got committed to like two different strains. One was outside, one was inside. And as all of that stabilized, the yield, the revenue, I mean, everything went in a hockey stick type growth Mm -hmm. just inside of one season. So you guys are in your first year, you have a couple more runs to do. It's going to take a little while to get that soil going Mm -hmm. just the way that you want to. But I have no doubt it's just going to It'd be absolutely incredible. And it's like a whole ecosystem over there. You guys are really rich in horses. You guys have a ton, a ton of resources to be able to do like a mutual benefit society. How are you pulling in or sourcing? Like, are you just going straight to like feedlots or like, where are you sourcing manures? Are you stimulating other businesses that way? It's pretty simple because we have a horse farm across the street. So, oh, <laughs> so he has piles to the sky of manure, which is great. Now, horse manure isn't the best manure to use for this. It's actually, cow manure is actually a lot better because they have multiple stomachs. So the digestion is much stronger. So that there's less weeds that will come out of it. However, the horse manure across the street that we're going to be using is aged. So that that's equally as good. So either use nice. aged manure or, or cow manure. When it comes to actual fertilization, chicken manure is the way to go because it's very high in nitrogen. So we're going to yeah. be adding chicken manure to the mix pre-season, getting the soil ready with mixing in the manure and the topsoil, I think it'll 
have a great impact on, on what's going on here. But one of our strains didn't do as well as the other two. So our, the Electra and our Silver Haze that we have growing are doing phenomenal. The Electra is getting a lot taller and bushier. Silver Haze is staying smaller but fatter, and they're, they're budding a lot heavier. So I think we're going to do away with the Hawaiian Haze that we're, we're growing and stick mostly with the Electra and the Silver Haze probably. Nice. I can't wait. And so do you got all of the strains stabilized? Did you just like throw a handful of seeds out into the grass or like how did you guys, was it clones or what did you guys do? Okay. So I'm actually glad you brought that up because this is another big point that I'm, I'm talking to a lot of other hemp farmers as well. And there's a couple around here as well. I don't know if seeds are the best way to do it, but a lot of people do do it that way. If you are going to do it that way, do feminized seeds because the male plants are no good. Uh, the, if they pollinate the females, it can devastate your crop. We actually get our they're spouts. So we get small baby plants from Fusion who grows them indoors in a greenhouse at first. And then we pick them up and put them in the ground already started. We'll maybe find one male out of every 4,000 plants. Um, and that's major because I know people that are planting with seeds and they're getting half males, half females. The males oh, are yeah. no good. If you find a male growing in your field, you need to put a bag over it and chop it down and carry it out in a bag. That's how bad it could be. Because if, if those pollen sacks pop and, and get on the females, it could it could have a big impact on, on your yields. Okay, so talk to us about the impact of these spermy little plants. Now, I can't find as much information on that as I'd like. However, I do know that the females would begin producing seeds and that's not ideal for CBD content. Yeah, totally. It, it, yeah. Nobody wants seeds in their, sh <laughs> in their herbs. Do you guys have a testing agency out there that comes out and makes sure that you guys aren't burning hot? Well, we're using the Department of Agriculture. So they've actually already been here once. They came and took, not a sample, but they, they, they wanted to know what strains we were growing. It was actually pretty simple. They just came out, like, what strains are you growing? Do you have your fences up and everything like that? Because they do require that you have fences around the crop, video cameras on, on your fields, mm -hmm. gates, post-it signs, things like that. So they made made sure that we were compliant with all those things, asked about the strains. And now we actually just sent our letter out last week to the Department of Agriculture. We need to give them three weeks before harvest to come out and they'll actually do some testing to make sure we're not running hot, mm. to let us know the CBD contents of all the plants. After they've already approved us, then we can go ahead and harvest. So you want to give them three weeks to a month notice to give them some time to get out before you actually end up picking anything. And yeah, that's basically it. They'll, they'll come out and, and do their testing and hopefully everything tests good. So interesting. I, f I have just like this gut feeling you guys are going to end up pretty big. What does second year look like for you guys? So we're already talking second year. I mean, honestly, we want to change everything from our irrigation system to our soil. We're working with a couple other farmers that are local that have a lot more land than we do. We're only sitting on 10 acres and we only farm two of them. We also have a house on the property and some sheds and everything that are taking up some of the space. So we have <laughs> lifelong farmer down the road that wants to give us some of his land. People have been throwing land at us left and right. We're going to take this one guy up on his offer and hopefully do over 10 acres. So you could imagine how many plants that'll be. Um, I don't yeah, have a specific number just yet. He has river bottom soil, which is amazing. So he's right on the Delaware River. That's pretty much what we're looking for. He has the water source as the Delaware River and... Um, those are the two main things. When you're looking, you want to make sure that the soil is good and you want to make sure that there's a, a major water source because they do take a lot of water. That's actually why we named our company Bone Creek because 
the creek running through our yard is, is Bone Creek. And we dug it out into a reservoir and that's what fuels our plants. You're absolutely right in saying that the water is a major, major consideration. And I know out in California, it was a huge challenge in the Emerald Triangle because people were just dropping their hoses into the creeks and the rivers and pulling the water directly yeah. out. And then there was a ton of runoff from, you know, fertilizers or whatever you're putting into your plants that go back into the rivers and stream. What's the conservation plan inside of your guys's company? How are you guys protecting the environment? What are some of the methods of cultivation? Does mm-hmm. Fusion advise and provide you guys some of those resources to help protect your environment? How does that whole piece of it work and what's your consciousness around it? Well, it's pretty simple. We don't use any pesticides, any chemicals, anything like that. Everything is non-GMO, 100% natural, no sprays or anything like that. Everything is natural. So we're not putting any chemicals into the field. So we should have no concerns about that at all. Everything is plants in the ground and nature takes the rest. And where are you sourcing your water from? Do you just like, you said you dug out part of the the river or in created your own reservoir? Yeah, so we have a stream that runs through our property, which is Bone Creek. And we just kind of dammed it up in one spot and uh, dug a little bit and it constantly fills itself now and uh, overflows on the other side. So we just put a pump in there. We have a little pump house next to the reservoir where we're pulling our water out of and mm-hmm. it's running into our drip lines, which I also wanted to talk about because we had a little some issues with our, our drip tape as well that we're fixing for next year. So we got eight, uh, 12 inch drip line, which next year we're going to be doing eight inch. We think that the spacing was too far apart. So we want them to be a little closer. We're also going to be raising 330 gallon totes up into the air, about 10 feet on top of pallets so that the lines can be gravity fed. We also, I think, extended our lines a little too long. So we're going to keep them at 100 foot max and that it should maintain pressure pretty well. (laughs) You sound like you've been doing this for a hot minute. Did you have a hobby grow when daddy didn't know? Not at all. Um, So this is all stuff that I picked up along the way. I mean, and that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it, when, it, when you're really out there, it comes down to like, there's issues with pests. You have issues with funguses. We got some uh, powdery mildew that we had to take care of. Oof. And that's no fun. You know, airborne funguses can be pretty tough. Anybody who gets an airborne fungus, potassium bicarbonate is the solution. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it took me a while to figure that out. Man, this is so cool to hear your story. I'm just like so inspired by you. I remember, I mean, James was growing and I'll just keep referring back to him because I spent a season growing and I was just like, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, much, yeah. I'm going to tell everyone's story instead. <laughs> but my, but James, he was the bomb. Like he was crazy creating champagne grade. Mm-hmm. I mean, just incredible medicine that was really transformational for the patients who were using it. I mean, like many of the farmers up there, California is sort of the mecca of where all of this started. 18 million pounds of cannabis were produced there, but only 2 million stayed in the state. So as you can imagine, you New Yorkers were, had it, were a hungry crowd for the Cali kind. And um, so many other parts of the country as well. Not that I know anything about that, but I'm just have heard stories. And, you know, it's, I guess there's a big contrast, right? Some families are being brought together, like you and your dad, and others are being completely ripped apart. You said that there's 500 farms in New York alone. Are you having any experience from your community, your friends, colleagues, or your, or mainly in your dad's generation that would have resistance to what you guys are doing right now? I have one person in the entire town that has a problem with what we're doing. Everybody else has been so embracing of us. It's amazing. Like they want us 
involved with everything going on in the town. It's a small town, so word travels fast. But my one neighbor thinks we're growing drugs. He just he wants nothing to do with it. That's not fun. And we he's he's older, so he's he's having a tough time understanding. Mm-hmm. But he, the funny thing is, he could probably benefit from from what what it is that we're doing here more than anybody. And speaking to the older generation, my grandfather was actually one of our first customers with the CBD oil. He's seventy seven, and uh, he was diagnosed with diabetic nerve pain or neuropathy of his feet. Wow. So yeah, he used to walk around the block every morning and uh, with the pain of, in his feet, he could barely walk around like his apartment. So he started taking the oil and the impact that it had on him was was pretty, he began walking again with zero pain in his feet and mm. his anxiety, he had that crazy anxiety and it vanished completely. My sister just got married. You should have seen him. He was up working the room. It was like, wow, this is this stuff's working on him. And he, he, he feels amazing now. He swears he feels 20 years younger. It's crazy. Oh, do you have a family of your own? Um, no, I'm single, single and uh, just farming. <laughs> single, ready to mingle. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I uh, love it, ladies. Go ahead and just submit your emails here. We'll have an application. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. So you said you got all, I loved what you said. And I, and on one hand, I hear from entrepreneurs, like no partners, no problems is a motto for mm-hmm. mature entrepreneurs. Now for you as a budding entrepreneur, and um, no pun intended, for you as a budding entrepreneur, though, you guys selected to go with an established company company that would offer you SOPs, genetics, all of the things. Um, and you just take ownership of this one simple position. So what brought you to that conclusion? Did you do extensive research? What were you, what were your main considerations in selecting that? And then I'm going to ask you about what kind of resources you got. Like what, what are some of the details of your arrangements for people who are listening to this and trying to figure out what to do with their legacy farms and okay. how they can make this foothold in? Talk to me about your considerations in picking this as a as a method well the reason that we contracted with the company and at all was because we we kind of had to it was previously illegal in new york state to do this there, we were going to be operating under a pilot program of 60 farms in new york state the farm bill passed and it opened it up for everybody so we were originally working with fusion to operate under their license as one of the 60 farms in new york state and then we ended up getting our own license because we had to so before this we wouldn't have been able to grow this year previous to the farm bill passing, if it weren't for Fusion's license. So we contracted with them originally just to get this done. But now, I mean, we, we love working with Fusion and we're going to continue working with Fusion. So <laughs> we're sticking with them. So you made the decision to move in with Fusion. What were some of the biggest benefits that they brought to the table for you guys as a startup? Well, they have a hub in Warwick, which is about an hour from us, where we can pick up all our products. We can talk genetics. We can talk about the plants and any issues that we're having. So they're pretty local to us. They, they're, op- they're major operations out in Oregon, but they have a, a greenhouse operation here. They're, they're nearby. Um, we can go pick up our products rather than having them shipped to us. And any issues that come up, we can go right there, with it, as well as dropping off our plants when we harvest. Nice. So you guys just chop it down and take it over there and they deal with all of the biomass from there? We're going to end up doing that, but I mean, it is a little sketchy to drive around with this stuff still because, I mean, try explaining that to somebody that it's hemp and not marijuana, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what a better a better way of doing it is. So we might have to just do it. I mean, that's part of being a pioneer in the industry is taking those risks. So so you live in a small town. What, what if, let's just have a what if scenario. I want to have fun with this for a second. What if you called the cops a couple days before harvest and you're like, listen, 
I'm about to chop my stuff down. Come check it out. It's hemp. Here's my, here's my certificate of analysis to show our, you know, all of our stuff that we're compliant. This, this is not in fact cannabis mm-hmm. and we will be transporting it from point A to point B. Can we get an escort? Would you yeah. do that? How, what would your, what would the temperature from the local law enforcement be? Well, that's a good question. I'm, I'm really not sure, to be honest. I, that, that's not a terrible idea. We're definitely going to be ironing out those details in the coming weeks. But uh, I'm gonna, definitely going to talk to the Department of Agriculture when they're here in a couple of days and see what their thought is on it, because they're the ones really running the show here. So whatever their recommendation is, we'll probably go with. What happens if your crop burns hot? There's really not much you can do. I know that fusion has ways of diluting it, but I mean, I, if it gets too hot, it's too hot. That's why harvest is key. You really got to monitor your plants to make sure that they're not being overgrown because then they will grow hot and you can have some issues for sure. You don't want to put in all the work all season and then, and then have your plants with too much THC. That's no good for anybody. (laughs) What? And so the mark that you have to hit while they're on the vine is less than 0.3% still. I believe so. Yes. But like I said, the the Department of Agriculture is going to come and do their tests with what they come back with is what we're going to go with. Okay. So they're, they're going to come in and I know, cause I've been on many of farms on the day that the DOA comes in and they're like, you're a little bit hot. You have to destroy your yeah. entire crop. Is that, that a reality happen. out there as well? Yes. And now they say that harvest is, is good in October. If you plant in June, harvest in October. So we're still, well, it's just the end of August, beginning of September now. So we, we sent it out early to get them here before any of that, those issues start to pop up. So have them come through their testing earlier than later is always a good thing. <laughs> I'd be having them come in in like June 16th. Yeah, I'd exactly. be like, so we're about three weeks out from harvest. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Um, I know they're only three inches high. Don't worry about that. We, that's a method. <laughs> but now people were planting as late as July, which I found crazy. So I don't know. Everyone's all over the place this year. I think it's going to start evening out as the years pass. What um, is one of your biggest concerns as a farmer and watching how quickly everything is happening? Are you concerned about saturation? Are you concerned about relevancy and size? What are some of, what are some of your major concerns that keep you up as, at night as a first-year farmer in the hemp space? Everything. <laughs> all of the above. There's a lot of unknowns. Um, we don't know where the market value is going to go for this stuff. Uh, for all we know, it could be 10 times more than last year. It could be 10 times less than last year. And the thing is, really, nobody knows. It does seem like the back end of the industry, the CBD oil and all that stuff is huge and, and expanding. They're saying that's going to be a multi-billion dollar industry. So I, I think the, the demand is there. But now, like I said, we're already one of 500 farms in New York State. I mean, so that's growing rapidly as well. I don't know if there's going to be too much raw material or not enough raw material, but definitely the, the, the price of sale is going to be uh, is what I'm worried about most. Is I don't know where it's going. So what are you looking at first year? What is the value per acre? Rule of thumb, they say around 60,000 per acre. But then again, based off what? I mean, um, it's based off your CBD content. It's based off uh, your pounds per acre. It's your yield, essentially. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. So putting a number on that is, is really hard to do. We are rolling the dice here. That's what it is. I mean, in order to get into the industry and just get plants in the ground, you kind of just got to go for it. And that's what we did. Because okay. you're never, you're never going to get an answer on that question. Muy grande cajones. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, that's, that's everything right there. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of money in it. And it's yes. not only yours, but it's the family too. So what about your dad? What is his, 
He's been in this for a long time. He knows about running a business. He especially mm-hmm. knows about running a compliant business. What's his take on this whole potential dropout? Well, he was ecstatic about getting farm status. Uh, so he now has his tax benefits that he loves. But if he didn't have the land and the tractor, we'd be significantly behind. Like those, If it weren't for those, I don't think we'd be operational because a tractor alone can run you forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. So having the land and the tractor was what made this really all possible. If he didn't have that, we wouldn't even be talking. <laughs> um, that, that really significantly decreased the startup costs, making this possible. He's very excited about what we're doing and he's into it for sure. Do you ever catch him looking at you from across the field just like, my baby boy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we both have a couple of looks at each other like that uh, for sure. <laughs> It's funny, man. You know, if you spoke to us five years ago, you would have never known we'd be doing this. So it's definitely different. What's so different? What's different in the conversation? I mean, the cannabis industry and conversation and movement have been happening for a while. Just in the last three years, hemp has been booming. You were in industries where, I mean, quite frankly, the shipping yard where that is utilized for a lot of black market transit. There's, you know, sale. I mean, just in, in every aspect of this, every industry has been infiltrated. There's a lot of people making the corporate, the cannabis jump. What was it for you? What, why, what did you see and, and why did you pick it? I wanted my own business. Always have. I did have a small business in college that paid for you know, food and stuff like that. What um, was your small business? I reached out to a company that was actually in Colorado where you guys are located. And I started selling some of their t-shirts. They had interactive um, LED t-shirts. So you could take a laser pointer and draw on the shirts. So it was definitely different. It was pretty sweet. And um, that's sick. so I emailed them and I got involved with them and I started selling their, their shirts all over campus and putting the frat letters on it and stuff like that. So that's how I paid, paid for food and, and fun in college. Um, but then transitioning from sales to this, I think that the sales are going to help with the CBD sales because we're doing wholesaling as well. So I'm uh, meeting with companies and trying to get our products on the shelf. Uh, we, we popped up a couple of signs and look, even the newspaper came and did a story on us. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it, so the support has been amazing. You got to be so proud of yourself. What are your other Dodo friends doing? <laughs> no, some <laughs> of my friends are pretty successful. They're doing their things. Uh, a couple of them are in finance, a couple of them uh, doing some shipping stuff as well. So they're, they're doing well also. They would have never thought I'd be moving up to the country to be a farmer though. That, that, that took everyone by surprise. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm, I'm looking at my 16 year old and you know, like some people, everyone's like, oh, I'm so proud of my kids. My kids fucking i'm 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 nearly annoyed because they're overperformer they can't just be like an average athlete they're like the overperforming <laughs> you know just crazy academic athletic they're just amazing kids and i'm like measuring them up next to their friends and i'm like man we need to marry you up right <laughs> We need to marry you up. These guys are not doing nearly what you're doing. And it's, it's refreshing to see young people who are surrounding themselves with other folks in your peer group who are also high performers. That's going to make all the difference for you. Fusion's taking care of so much of the hard stuff. Are you wholesaling fusion products, knowing that your plant matter is going into them? And what, are the, what does the product suite look like? Yeah. So they do all the processing of the hemp out in Oregon. They make their products and then they send them out to Warwick where we pick them up. Uh, because we're a partner farm with them, uh, we, we get all their products at a good price and then we retail them or wholesale them. Product suite pretty much is, 
We have three different types of tinctures. So we have uh, 500, 1000 and 2000 milligram oils. Uh, we have two different types of creams. So we have a pain cream, which is our salve. And then we have a moisturizing cream, which is good for stuff like psoriasis. We also have two different types of soap. We have roll-ons for headaches and migraines, topical sprays that are good for pain also. And we have smokable. We have obviously the hemp flower. So we have four different strains of hemp flower as Yum. well. As, yeah, that stuff's good. <laughs> and then we have four different blends of hemp cones. So those are pre-rolled hemp cones that you can smoke on, which are nice. And yeah, I think that's about everything. We also do um, non-CBD and hemp-related farm stuff. So we have eggs that we have chickens. So chickens are laying eggs every day. Then we, we make all natural honey and syrup. What? <laughs> so we got everything. On that hemp honey. <laughs> no, no, no hemp involved. That's just oh. regular honey, regular honey, regular syrup. Are you going to infuse your honey with hemp? It's actually, I believe illegal to do that. I think, I don't think that you can use CBD as an ingredient, but the laws are very very hard to distinguish. So we're going to stay away from anything infusing wise. Uh, okay. so but uh, yeah, I believe that could be an issue. So for the budding entrepreneurs who are listening in right now and they're inspired and they're motivated and they're young and they're like, and they're hungry and they're listening to you right now, super excited about what you're doing and they want to do it too. Give them three pieces of advice that you would offer somebody who's looking at getting into the industry or is getting their toes wet and wants to jump in with both feet. Okay. Number one, partner with a good company, like I was talking about before. So a company that's been in the hemp industry for a while has the cash flow to pay you. Number two, surround yourself with people that have general farming knowledge because that, that like somebody who's been farming for years could have easily told us at the beginning of the season, our soil was no good, our drip tape was no good, stuff like that. And number three is to be passionate about it. You got to be out there every day. You, you know, you can't just plant these plants and, and not be out there because you leave them for a week and they'll be needing something, whether it's nutrients, water, anything like that. So you got to really dedicate to it. What are you looking forward to most this year? Harvest actually, because there's a lot of unknowns with harvest. We want to see how much we actually get out of this field. We want to see, there's a lot, a lot of stuff going on. We got to, we just ordered this morning, actually, these industrial dehumidifiers. So we got to dry out all of our products. Uh, it's crazy. There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on around harvest. So that's the most exciting part of the year. Hell yeah. I would have <laughs> said the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That yeah, too. Man, it's it just works so hard all year. And you know, there's so much at risk. You, you're putting in so much time and effort all the way through and that you get all the way to that up to that final moment. And even to the point where you're like passing the, the cash from one side to the next or passing the paycheck from one side to the next. It's so nerve wracking because you're like anything could go wrong, you know, mm -hmm. and yet it all goes right. And it's, it's such an incredible thing to celebrate. Yeah. And if it weren't for our CBD store that we have on property, we, we built this tiny little CBD store. If it weren't for that, we, you know, that was really fueling a lot of our purchases for, for the farm equipment. Yeah. So like I said, we had the, the tractor and everything, but we threw up some signs all over town and people just started showing up buying CBD and telling their friends about it because they, they had such great results. So five of their friends would show up and, and we started in December. It's now September and we have over 200 customers and most of them are repeat customers. So it's amazing. Stuff's working. Let's say I have a magic wand right now and I could grant you any wish. Complete this sentence for me. I wish I had. I wish I had a professional farmer here with me to teach me the ins and outs of actual general farming because that would have gone a long way. We did 10 times more work this season than we had to because we were fixing problems that we 
caused ourselves or, or stuff like that. So, I mean, we were really working in circles and we did a lot, a lot more work in that field than, than we will be next year. So what you're saying is if you had the opportunity to, you know, hire and or work with a consultant who could mm-hmm. shortcut that, that would have been a, a solid investment for you guys. Yeah. Cause I mean, my father or, and I were neither farmers. So we, we come from completely different industries. I think we did pretty well for, for uh, coming into this pretty cold, but uh, yeah. I mean, the amount that I learned this year is next year should be breeze. I absolutely love this. This is like my favorite, my absolute favorite story. Where can people find out more information about you guys and your farm? So you should definitely follow us on Facebook or Instagram. So on Facebook it's bone Creek farm. Instagram is bone Creek hemp farm. And then you can visit our website, which is bonecreekfarm.com. So wait, any final words for our listeners? Anybody that is interested in this or needs more information from me, message me on any of those three platforms and I will talk with you because like I said at the beginning is there's a lack of information in the, in the hemp industry and getting it out there is very important. Also, follow some of the hemp farming communities on Facebook because I'm, I'm in a community with over 3,500 farmers that are all communicating, posting pictures of their plants, issues that they're having, and everyone's helping each other that way, which is very important. Helped me a lot. What are some of the bigger issues that you're seeing with them uh, with, inside the group? So is it a consensus of, you know, stabilizing strains or, you know, mildews or like, what are you seeing? Or is it demographic <laughs> specific? Number one is identifying male versus female plants. Everyone seems to be like, oh, because no one wants to rip their plants out of the ground. So they're like, make sure that this is a male 100% before I pull it. Um, <laughs> so they want to, that is a big one. And then pests and funguses are, are very big. So being able to post a picture of your plant with a fungus on it and then having 15 other farmers say, okay, that's this and give you a solution that could save your harvest. And that's how I found out that we had pottery mildew because we didn't know what it was. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's so incredible. Well, I have some good resources for you as far as consultants go who are in your area. Also some retail opportunities that I could connect you with in your area as well. Awesome. I'm always looking for ways that I can support your guys' and your budding businesses. Um, this is just such a passion of mine. My life, it was completely transformed through this incredible plant and, and its derivatives. So anything and everything that I can do to help you guys grow and stabilize and, you know, or I'm totally open, please lean on us for a resource. Thank you so much. That, that means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, I'm so grateful to you guys for listening in one more time. And it's incredible to see the transformation, how this plant, how this industry is bringing families together, fathers, sons, daughters, and mothers. We are seeing such incredible work being done. And it's so important that we are informed and educated from soil all the way to sale. The work that goes in, the the back breaking work that goes into producing just the raw material that will go into a stabilized solution that will in fact transform the way that you feel and function on a daily basis. It's so important to understand that everything and everyone that is being created and being cultivated here in this industry right now deserves its special piece of attention. So meanwhile, while you're out there farming, harvesting, or enjoying the plants, be safe, take care, make sure that you're getting it from a reputable source, support your local communities, and get involved. Get out there into your community and get involved with with the movement and the mission to bring safe, high-quality products to be accessible to those of you who need it and want it 
interested. If you want more information about how you can join the Green Rush movement, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. If you're a patient whose life's being transformed and you want more information on how this can work for you, check us out on medicalsecrets.com and we'll see you on the next episode of The Hemp Revolution. Thanks so much for your time today, Joe. So excited to meet you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening to another Rockstar episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sony Gomez. And just for you, we took notes on this episode along with the links and other resources mentioned inside of today's show. Get them for free right now by going to theemeraldcircle.com. Now, if you want more on this, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you like to listen, and you will be automatically entered in to our monthly giveaway where you can get swag bags, all kinds of cool gifts and discounts from our guests and exclusive offers that are only mentioned right here in the Hemp Revolution podcast. I can't wait for you to share this with your friends. With your help, we've been able to impact millions of people's lives around the world with the truth about hemp and cannabis. And we know that you love us so much that you're going to leave a review and rate us right now on your favorite platform to absorb content just like this. Now, we challenge you to dream big and love the life that you live. Thanks so much, and we hope to see you on our next episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. Ciao for now.